Welcome to the Course Wizards Podcast with Amit Aurora and Christopher Maselli. Get ready to discover the latest tools and tips on how to create, teach, and market your online training course. Now here's your hosts, Amit and Chris. Hello and welcome to the Course Wizards Podcast. I'm Christopher Maselli and I'm here with my buddy Amit Aurora. How are you doing today, co-host Amit Aurora? What's up, Chris? We're meeting after 4th of July, but I still have the colors behind me. And it's on your hat. Very yeah, nice. Hat. You're looking very patriotic today. <laughs> I went to the World War II Museum in New Orleans and picked this up. I like it. It's a nice hat. He's got a hat. For those of you listening, he's got a hat with a large American flag on it. It looks great. Yeah, there was like so many with the Navy on. I'm like, I don't want to represent the right. branch that I haven't participated <laughs> in. So I, I don't want to be under false pretense. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So you had a good 4th of July? Good 4th of July. We had a local big gathering here in Arizona where I would say probably a couple thousand people showed up to. And there were food trucks and live music. And then, of course, a large fireworks display that was actually better than a lot of the larger city fireworks displays I've been to. So it was quite enjoyable. Nice. Yeah, same. We went to a lake here and I actually purchased time. You purchased time. time? Yeah, they were selling time. It was, <laughs> my wife got an email. She's like, $40 if you want to park in the paved concrete parking lot. For this city's park or you find your own parking and then make walk your way to the lake i'm like 40 bucks let's do it because <laughs> it's limited spots yeah they had 400 spots <clears throat> so oh. they made bank like 18 and no. i said was that was the day before the event and then when we showed up for the event it said reserve parking sold out so they sold out of that thing pretty fast and when we very parked chris it was like a three minute walk Versus what we did a couple last year, we had to find parking in some random spot, cross a couple of streets, busy streets, and then get to the light fireworks show. And it took us like 30 minutes just getting there. I've always thought one of the most lucrative ventures that you could do is owning a parking lot or a parking garage. Because once you get that space, there's hardly any maintenance to it. And you can charge 5 to $10 per car every time that they come in and go out. And it, yeah, I think that's, someone's got the edge on that, don't they? Yes. So tell me this 4th of July weekend, how many 4th of July emails did you get? I didn't get as many as I probably thought I would, but I subscribed to far fewer emails than I used to. But yeah, I'm. it's like with any other holiday. I think a lot of email senders still feel like they need to acknowledge the holiday and send out emails. I'm a little bit of an opposite opinion on that. I think that we all get so flooded with emails all the time that by sending out a 4th of July email, a Thanksgiving email, an Easter email, a Labor Day email, it just gets to be a little overwhelming. And so I personally don't do that. And and honestly, when I get that stuff, I just delete them without even reading. I hear you. But today's topic for those who have tuned in just for this topic is how do we increase our open rates right yes so emails that land in the inbox how do we get people to click it open it and in in a sense create a flywheel that keeps generating that revenue yeah so a reason you might not open up one of those fourth of july emails is if you see in the subject line it says 
Happy 4th of July. You immediately know what this is. Oh, it's a regular 4th of July email. They're wishing me happy 4th of July. I don't even need to read it. I see the subject line because what you need to have is a subject line that really captivates people. And I think that's the first thing that we need to talk about when it comes to open rates, because without a captivating subject line, no one is going to open up your email because the subject line is really that thing that makes them click, right? It's that you're trying to get people to click, to click, to slide, to whatever, to open that email. And without that, it's just not going to happen. And so make sure that you are a wordsmith when it comes to your subject lines, maybe test a few out, just find out what really will get someone to say, oh, I got to know what this is about. So instead of saying happy 4th of July, I say you won't believe the true history behind 4th of July. That, see, that, that's a better subject line. Or if you're having a sale rather than mask it in a regular 4th of July email, go ahead and come out right with the fact of save 75% this 4th, something like that to let people know, oh, this is something I'm interested in if that's what you think your audience wants. I have seen the Facebook ad for PCloud that does that really well. Where yes. they're like, okay, 75% sale for 4th of July. And their sale is always on. Yes. But yes. You know, it's funny you say that. I actually did open up their email. They sent me a 4th of July email and it was 85% off. And I didn't remember that until you just said it. But see, that got me to open it because it was such a significant savings and it's a service I like. So it caught my attention. What else do you have to do, Amit? No, I already own PCloud. I already have it. And I've got something like four terabytes with it. They offer up to 10 terabytes, but I don't need any more right now. I may eventually, but their lifetime deal is perpetual. And so pretty much whenever I want it, I know I can get it. I got to tell you, a fantastic service, though. It's one of those lifetime deals I'm very happy with. It's like a Dropbox for those of you who are. I'm still on the fence, so you'll have to give me a demo. All right. So the next one on my list is clean up your list, right? If you have, and what that means is you need to go get some good laundry detergent. I'm kidding. In most email providers provide this service to you where you can essentially segment your users And every time, let's say you are sending a new email, right? This 4th of July, let's stick to that kind of theme. When you are on the, at I use MailerLite, so whichever email platform you use, where you're on the step, where you want to send it to your segment of your audience, I would say exclude people who have not opened your emails in the last six months. And what that will do is only target the people who are, regularly engaged with your emails and that boosts your open rates because providers like Gmail and Yahoo and AOL will start putting your emails in the inbox versus primary tab where people typically don't go and click. Yeah, so if you think of the math, think of it this way, and we did this with our own list, but if you have, let's say, 2,000 people on your list and 50% never open then that means you're going to automatically start off with an under 50% open rate and probably a lot lower, right? But if you only send it out to the 50% that have opened, the thousand that have opened in the last six months, then your open rate automatically jumps way up. And so it's a way to improve your numbers without hardly doing anything other than sending out to fewer people. And it's not like you're missing anyone because those other people wouldn't have opened it anyway. Yep. Agree. What else? What's next on your list, Chris? A lot of people like to resend emails to those who don't open, right? In fact, email providers seem to make this easier than they used to be. They, a lot of them have the little check marks that you can put on and says, hey, if anyone doesn't open my email, resend it to them. 
Moosehand has that at the end, like they have a checkbox. Yes, and I use just and just does the same thing. They got a little checkbox. Resend this to anyone who doesn't open and they'll send it like 24 to 48 hours later. Some people really like this because they think the idea that you can catch people who wouldn't have gotten it on the first round. And it may be true, but there is a little bit of controversy with this. One of the email gurus that I follow is Liz Wilcox. You've heard me talk about her on the show before. And she knows a lot about emails, has done a lot of experiments. And one of the things she says is that you should never, ever check that box. Never resend an email to non-openers. And the reason is because the services are smart enough to recognize that you're sending out identical content a second time. And that will get you deprioritized by sending out the same content. They'll also recognize that your open rate on that second email is so much lower. So it lowers your overall open rates with those services. And again, deprioritizes you as an email sender. So I think that's an interesting view. Uh, we stopped resending emails after we heard her say that and honestly haven't noticed any difference as far as the amount of people who respond to our emails. So it seems to work just fine for us. Interesting. Okay. I'll have to try that trick. Yeah. Instead of resending, using just can it, that email didn't perform, move on to the next one. Go to the next one. It's almost like writing a blog or creating a YouTube video. Don't sulk on what has happened. Just do better on the next one. Yeah. You could go ahead and create a whole new email, but the idea is don't send the same content. Don't just tell it to regurgitate what you already did. At least give it a new spin. All right. Put it in chat GPT. Have That's it right. rewrite it. And then <laughs> Very get... easy to do today, isn't it? Yes. All right. Okay. So the next one I have here, and I, this is something that's so easy to do, but also easy to forget when you clone your emails is adding a pre-header. And a pre-header is when you get an email and most of us check it on our phone, it's that first line that you get to read. So almost like an intro to your email before you open it. And that can, in my opinion, that can help increase your open rates because people get a sneak peek without even opening your email. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Always do a pre-header. We love doing pre-headers too. It's almost like giving you a second chance at that that email subject line. It's so crucial. You know, the tricky part and MailerLite, because I clone it, yeah. Is, there's no like reminders or warning checks. It just takes your pre-header from the previous email. So if you didn't forget to change it, use your SON. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They need to fix that because that should be easier to see. I agree. The other thing we like to do is we like to include emojis and in personalization. Now, we don't go overboard with this. It's only once in a while that we'll put personalization in the subject line, put the person's name in the subject line. It's only once in a while that we might put a couple emojis, but we have found that that seems very personal. It is something that a lot of people just in their normal life do. So if you're yep. as a business or doing this, it can get people to open it that might not otherwise, their eyes may have otherwise passed over. And it's pretty hard to not see those little graphics and want to click on it or see your name yeah. and go, oh, this is to me and want to click on it. Yeah. And a good newsletter that does this well is the click. Yes. C-L-I-K-K. So people can subscribe to that. That's actually one of the points I had here, Chris, is subscribe to the industry leaders in your niche, right? Or even if it's in not in your niche, subscribe to like the Russell Brunson's of the world or the Amy Porterfields. Get on their email list so you start to see what kind of emails they're sending. And then it's more, okay, how do I emulate this versus always trying to come up with a new topic, a new content for email 
So you get to learn from them and you get to steal from them. And right. you know that they have copywriters <laughs> on their payroll doing this. So you're getting world-class service for free. Yes, that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. For the emoji thing, I did want to say one of the ones that I see overused a lot in the industry is the fire emoji. I feel like everyone uses the fire emoji. So try to use emojis that are not so commonly used, like a snail emoji. Or there are so many new ones now. So I think our, if our listeners want to go to Emojipedia and just search the latest emojis, I would say use some of the uncommon ones. Yeah, good point. Very good point. The other thing, don't forget to look at the analytics of your emails. When you look at your analytics, you're able to see the kind of subject lines that your particular audience responds to. Do they respond to personalization? Do they respond to the emojis? Do they respond to sales? Do they respond to personal stories? What is it that gets them to click on it and open? And tied in with that is usually the time that you send your email. So is there a certain time of day that you see in those analytics when people open it? Is there a certain day of the week that they might open it? Whatever it is that it starts to create a pattern. You have to send a lot of emails to see the patterns. But once you do, you'll start to see patterns and see, oh, here's what my audience likes. And uh, when you see that, when you see what people are interacting on, when they're clicking, when they're maybe hitting reply, that's what that's the kind of thing you want to duplicate. Yep. And then I think you can also find those patterns in your own inbox, right? So wake up in the morning and you'll see all the emails start coming in between 7.30 and 9.30 in your yes. time zone. So that seems to be like the sweet spot. But yeah, it could be different for if your audiences are night owls who are like Twitch streamers who are mostly awake at night, then you might want to tweak those sendings. But I find it typically 7 to 10 is the sweet spot in the morning. And then around 4 o'clock, between 4 and 6 in the evening when people are winding down work and now they're checking their emails again 100 percent, yeah but don't do much on saturday usually our saturday emails tank <laughs> saturday and sunday i don't know yeah. how sunday performs at all sunday should be like chick-fil-a you're closed yeah exactly that's exactly right <laughs> you got any more uh, for us on it yes yeah, so one i won't name names but i'm on this one guy's email list and he sends the longest emails ever like it's 20 pages long and every single time and there's nothing wrong with long emails every once in a while if each and everything you are seeing in there has value. For example, I subscribe to this woman, Alida Solis. She's an SEO expert and she sends a SEO roundup post every well, once every two weeks. So hers is long too, but it's chock full of value versus just having a long email just for the sake of it. Don't make, you can have varying levels. You can have a one paragraph email or four sentences or if you're selling something then maybe it's a little longer but yes yeah, stagger it don't always go for it has to be a super long email like a blog post yeah yeah now you may be hearing um say that and say wait a second so how do they know it's long if they haven't opened the email yet and that this goes back to again those patterns right when it comes to things like having a long email or we also like to say at a cliffhanger right have something that makes them want to open up the next email, that sort of thing. Those are ways to get people to read your emails that they will get used to. And they'll start to know, oh, if I get an email from this guy, then it's going to be this length. I have the same thing. I have someone on my list who are not on my list, but that I subscribe to that sends the longest emails. 
And I often do not open his emails because I just know it's going to be a book inside and I don't want to read it. And so I delete it without even reading it because I know what's going to be inside. So you want to be sure that you save that kind of thing for only specific emails, only specific topics, only specific times, unless your audience just loves that because there are audiences that absolutely love that. But generally, as a general rule, you want to watch that sort of thing. I'm going to add one thing, Chris, that we actually talked about that we can tie into. Subscribe to a few of the Axios emails. And if you go to Axios' website, they have a few different ones you can subscribe to, depending on what your likes are, like geography or news from around the world or AI, tech news, etc. And when you open their email, it says, read time on top. What if we take that, you type up your email, Put it in chat GPT and say, what's the read time of this email? Or just Google read time softwares that you can just paste it. I wish all email providers would just do this out of the box. And how about we add that in the pre-header, two-minute read time. And that becomes a click-worthy thing that, okay, you've read the subject line that has invoked your curiosity. You won't believe 4th of July, this is actually what happened. Two-minute read time. You yep. can say, oh, okay, I have two minutes to read this. But if it says 17-minute read time, you're not going to open it. A lot of people put that on their blogs, right? They'll put the read yes. time. It's very effective. I think that would especially be effective in an email inbox if it were a very short read time. So if you said read time 30 seconds, I think people yes. will open that just because they know this is not going to waste my time. It's short, it's to the point, and they'll read it. I think I let's do this, Chris. You and I should do this and we should challenge our listeners. The next email we send out, let's put that read time in the pre-header and see if that boosts our open rate. I like I like that idea. That's a good one. All right. All right. Uh, so you wanna you wanna take us back through um it, the ones we've talked about here. And if there's anything else you want to add, go ahead and yeah. add it. Yes. So Make sure your subject line is captivating. Use tools like ChatGPT. Now they are at our fingertips and have them generate five subject lines, right? Yeah. Clean up your email list so you're only sending it to engaged audiences, which improves your open rates. Resend. This is up for debate. Either resend or don't. Lizbeth Wilcox says don't resend. And I, listening to your justification, I think it makes sense. So try not resending your emails. What's done is done. Move on to the next one. Yes. Add a pre-header. Add emojis and personalizations, but don't overdo it. Subscribe to your industry leaders in your niche. See how they're doing it. Look at uh, analytics, past performance, and then also that includes uh, this sending time of day. And then don't put in huge long essays in there. Keep it short. But a couple of things I'll add is, so... We talked, you said, how will people know without opening if it's a long one or not? So now we've said, let's in, include the read time in the pre-header. Another thing would be to add a cliffhanger so you don't close the loop. And you could add, end your email by saying, in next email, I'm going to show you exactly how to do X, Y, and Z. So that gets them excited to open the next one. I like that. I like that. Hey. If there's anything you want, it's immediate value in your emails, whether it's in your, on the inside that gets them to open. If they know it's going to be a valuable newsletter overall, they're going to open it. And so it does come down to what you put inside. But once they get used to who you are, then they're going to start looking at those subject lines and that sort of thing. So speaking of not 
closing the loop. We're going to open a loop now. If you are going to join this challenge with us and put the reading time in your email, please let us know and let us know how it goes. And on future episodes, we will talk about it. Meanwhile, we hope that you rate, review, subscribe, and share the Course Wizards episodes with others that you know who are interested in building their courses. Got to tell you, this market is not getting smaller. There are more and more people sharing their teaching online. And I am so excited to be a part of that group. And I know Ahmed is too, because hey, there is no better way to give back to others than to teach what you know. Absolutely. And we are going to close the thread on it with our next episode that's going to talk all about Threads, which threads. is the latest app. That'll be next week. So be sure to join us to hear about Threads. And until next time, what should they do, Amit? Hashtag keep creating. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Course Wizards podcast with Amit Aurora and Christopher Maselli. Get a free PDF of their favorite online training resources, as well as notes from this podcast at coursewizards.com.